Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of our brand new bi-weekly podcast, Never Mind the Keywords. My name's Charlie Myler, and I'm your host, and alongside me is my fellow co-host and embryo employee, Megan Ritchie. <laughs> Megan, welcome to the pod. <laughs> this is so exciting. It's so finally exciting. Happening. It's finally happening. It's only taken a year, <laughs> and I'm a mixture of excitement and nerves and sort of trepidation in a variety of orders. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll, It'll be great. Be great. Yep, so myself and Charlie are just a couple of the hosts that you can expect to hear from in the coming weeks. We'll also be joined by our colleagues and friends, Dylan, Nafisa and Samara, who will be sharing hosting duties with us. Every two weeks, we'll be bringing you an informal chat about all things digital marketing, Manchester and business. And we'll also be joined by a special guest as well to get to know them a little bit better. But to kick off our inaugural episode, we're going to be speaking to the man behind Embryo, Ross Green. He'll be stopping by to chat about all things digital marketing in 2022, how he went from living in Zimbabwe to running one of Manchester's fastest growing companies, and what he's learned from running a company before, during and after a uh, pandemic. But before that, we're going to run down some of the most interesting marketing stories of the week. Uh, we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. You join us uh, to do the news. Uh, now today, each each section will have um, uh, an article or a, a sort of tidbit of news from the marketing world that, that has caught our eye, caught our pen over the last few weeks. Um, I will go first. Um, we I found an article on Marketing Tech News about uh, the way that the pandemic has kind of almost broken customer loyalty. And it's a it was a report by... Um, this uh, digital consultancy data mm. specialist firm called Edit. And what they found was is a, a survey of like 2,000 people across uh, in the UK and in the US. They asked them questions about brand loyalty and the kind of results were, were shocking. And, and I thought we could chat about how our own sort of, I don't know, how our own customer loyalty and how we view relationships with brands has changed over the last few years. Because there's a couple of bits in there that, that, that obviously the data is the data. But yeah. for me, there's a couple of like, quotes in there that i'm not sure i 100 percent buy um it there's a lot of talk in there about um how brands have got to kind of market to people's habits and their lifestyles okay. rather than their loyalty i'm not sure if i buy that because i could name three or four brands off the top of my head that i'm it's sort of emotionally invested in yeah and would buy from time and again and i suppose it's i don't know really it's different i suppose it's where you where you kind of what those brands are is very different in how you behave with them as well mm -hmm. like a clothing brand i've a lot more emotional connection to yeah. than i do a supermarket but yeah. i'm just wondering what your kind of take what your kind of experience with brand loyalty yourself has been well i think the first thing that springs to mind is that comment about brands tailoring to habits is yeah. it particularly weird point i find because for me i think the purpose of a lot of brands should be to help yeah. customers to create habits yeah. or break them or whatever that sort of surely a brand and their marketing has the power to influence those habits yes yeah. i don't think they should necessarily just play to them if, if that makes yeah sense. i think it's, it's the whole argument about do they set a worldview or just sort of appeal to ones that are already existing? And I imagine the kind of the latter is probably more profitable for them mm. because all the homework has been done for them somewhere. Yeah. But I do think there's still a, a market for kind of, like you say, saving people time, changing people's habits for the better. Um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. But obviously the data shows out that, that sort of 
people were asked multiple choice questions about loyalty and, and, and across a broad range of sectors and the results were kind of damning. I think 6% of consumers sort of claim their loyalty to brands within e-commerce, which mm. is, is mad really. But I suppose what we, what we haven't kind of, what that report hasn't sort of delved into, or the article at least, is the kind of within e-commerce. That's such a big term, isn't it? Yeah. It's not... Um, that can cover so many different sort of, things. Yeah. It's your fashion brands, but it's also health products yeah. can be sold on an e-commerce platform. Um, even mobile phones, printers, that yeah. kind of thing, that they can be on e-commerce yeah. platforms. So that's a huge spectrum to, yeah. to cover. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the point that you made about clothing brands is particularly interesting yeah. because I think that's something that I definitely agree with yeah. is that I'm more emotionally yeah. invested and connected to fashion brands and sort of have an allegiance with them almost yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in terms of my loyalty and the way that I buy. Yeah, it's quite, it's really weird examining your own. Because we, we <laughs> yeah. live in a world where we're like, you and me live in an industry where we're like constantly trying to figure out what clients, customers yep. are behaving like. So when we start to talk about it, it's actually <laughs> quite like, yeah. oh my God, this is terrifying. Yeah, it's like, it's like almost, you're an outsider looking you're in. You're I think, and I think, <laughs> A lot of e-commerce brands, you can kind of fit into the sort of Venn diagram of like lifestyle as well. And like yeah. the reason why you choose to wear a certain brand or yeah. the reason why you choose to drink a certain drink or go to a certain place. Mm -hmm. They're all kind of married under this thing now where your lifestyle and how you think and how you view the world is reflected in the kind of brands and the kind of choices you make and I, yeah. I, that's where i kind of disagree slightly with the whole sort of the death of brand loyalty because i think your loyalty now now in in 2022 is so tied to your beliefs and mm -hmm. your opinions and your views that that loyalty will come out in some way it's just in a yeah. different form 100 percent. and if anything i think the pandemic i mean it all depends on the industry that the business is operating yeah. in but i think the pandemic for a lot of businesses and brands has given them an opportunity to to create that yeah. customer loyalty yeah. in the way again that they create a brand they change the messaging and the marketing to yeah. fit the pandemic and what's going on um yeah we had it i mean we had it at embryo didn't we in that like we had well, obviously when you know what happened um the pandemic the, not yeah, <laughs> the pandemic not voldemort <laughs> um the kind of that immediate sort of engagement in loyalty when we as a business and as a team kind of went that extra mile during a yeah. very difficult time personally and in our in our own working lives for the customers the clients and whatever and i imagine that sort of pattern is kind of probably reflected across across other things i think this report probably looks at e-com in a kind of broad sense which which is your amazons which is your kind of fast fashion it's yeah. like the bigger kind of I don't know, less sort of, emo you don't have an emotional tie to Amazon. No. I mean, yeah, my thoughts on Amazon are very well discussed within the office, but <laughs> I think, you know, I don't have an emotional tie with them, but you still use them. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not loyal to them. No. It's the convenience, isn't and it? And if you went online and looked for a product, say on Google, and it was cheaper elsewhere, yeah. then your loyalty wouldn't be to Amazon. Yes. You would, you would purchase it elsewhere. And I think that goes back to, something that we talk about quite a lot yeah. in the office, which is something called the messy middle yeah. and those, you know, thoughts, questions that, that buyers ask when they're deciding whether or not to purchase a product yeah. and which one to purchase. Yeah. It's, it's those bigger brands that, yeah, you don't really have an emotional connection to. You'll, you'll look online for what you want. 
if it's cheaper elsewhere, you'll get it. Or if the, if there's a, a site that better answers yeah. your queries and questions, then you're more likely you're to shop with, with that. that. Yeah. Your loyalty is fairly sort of um, situational, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like, well, that in this moment, my attention span is drawn to that. Yeah. So therefore, I'm going to kind of... Uh, sort of go with that yeah. company there and then. Uh, but yeah, I know I thought that was quite an interesting sort of take on on how this sort of post-pandemic world, for, for want of a better buzzword, um, and how consumers have behaved. Is there anything that sort of caught your eye over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so similar thing. It's another report um, published by HubSpot, and it looked at Instagram engagement over the past year. Mm-hmm. So a statistic that stood out to me was that Brits are the third most engaged on instagram so that goes off the most post published that's a bit of a tongue twister most yeah. post published yeah but, i try yeah. to say that after a couple of years um, <laughs> but yeah brits post post the most brits post the most there's the your third headline place they are, yeah. there's your headline um that's interesting given the kind of just on the sheer numbers alone yeah. there are bigger countries knocking about yeah than little old blighty which mm-hmm. makes me think which we must just really love instagram yeah, and I think it's sort of in 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 younger generations, it's becoming a bit of a it's it's like almost like a bit of a culture. It's a it's, culture, and it's an almost like a default. Yeah, I think. It, no, it is. I think you, you can be in situations where you're out doing something, and without even thinking, yeah, you would go onto yeah. Instagram, Ooh, it's scary, yeah. put a story on, yeah, send whatever, yeah. upload a, a post. You don't. I, I mean, maybe maybe that's just me, and I'm sure maybe like influencers and people are. There's a lot of other thought that goes into the content that they produce, obviously. But for me, it's sort of just second nature now to yeah, I think you're to right. get the phone out yeah. and to post on it's Instagram. The de- it's the default. It's the default thing to do. It's like our moms yeah. and dads and aunties are on Facebook, yeah, complaining to the neighbourhood watch uh, <laughs> you know, local pages. Uh, Twitter is where people go to shout at each other, uh, and in my case, just raise my blood pressure by doom scrolling. <laughs> Don't do scroll. No. Uh, it's not good for you. But I think Instagram is this kind of happy medium where you're, you're, you know that people are updating their lives as much as they want to. Yeah. But it's also quite a relatively happy place. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, fundamentally, it's like where everyone is, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the, the article doesn't necessarily mention who's second and first, but I think we could probably defer that it's probably America and some... You know, some, some other maybe big, Australia, yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, just on yeah. just on population sizes yeah. alone. Um, but yeah, I think it's where people are. It's where, like you say, influencers are yeah. making an absolute fortune. It's where... and that's growing now as a yeah. as a, even a career. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people probably would have seen it as a bit of like a side hustle. Yeah. I hate that term, but anyway. Yeah. Um, in the early days, but now for some people, that is their career. Yeah. So I think the rise that the rise of the influencer as well probably contributes to that fact. And the nuance. I think it's the nuance within that term as well. It's it's one of the it's becoming like the term marketing where it's mm. it actually encompasses a million things. The word influencer yeah. marketing encompasses your your kind of ten million Instagram followers is your your Justin's Bieber, yeah. etc. Um I'm down with the kids. Um, <laughs> you can't say I'm not. And then you've also got the kind of you've got the people that are on half a million followers that are kind yeah. of uh, based in the UK or based in America that are just sort of fashion and lifestyle blogs. And then below that you've got your kind of 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 Instagram followers, which is still an insane, insane yeah. amount. I mean, if 10,000 people saw 
my Instagram. It'd be a nightmare. Just um, pictures of Guinness. Just pictures weekend. of pints of Guinness and food I've cooked. Like no one wants that, which is the reason I'm not. Go- but even that is, uh, I mean, that's the micro influencer thing, and it's yeah. All that attention is spread out across all these different people, and it's also where people go to update their own lives. It's this weird kind of cycle of reviewing the content that you want to see and making the content that you yeah. want to see all at the same time. So I suppose. You know, we were surprised at the start of this chat, but I reckon we've yeah. kind of figured it out in that that's where people's eyeballs yeah. are, it's where the attention is. Um and, and I think the fact that out. it's it's not just images anymore. Yeah. People are everywhere. Stories, yeah. reels, yeah. Instagram TV, yeah. it's it's massive. So well, we were just we were just talking to before we recorded, talking to Greg, our wonderful producer off camera, and saying and he was saying that Instagram now no longer calls themselves a photo sharing yeah. platform. And that was their whole USP way back in 1864 or whenever they were founded um that's an official it's an official date by the way um you know when they were founded it was that was their thing was the photo sharing app but i think the just the rise of uh video and a certain chinese owned uh social media platform has kind of kicked them into gear and and made them realize that a just fundamentally (laughs) you can look at a video longer than a picture yeah uh insight you don't get that level of insight from other podcasts <laughs> no. to tell you that uh people you can look at a video longer than a picture and therefore in- engagement levels stay there's more kind of opportunities within a video to sort of convey more information and things like yeah. that and i just think again it boils down to that um that, that need for attention and also so i'm waffling here but our kind of thoughts around traditional media mm. where people get the news from is very different now and it, and what's happened is, is this kind of meeting point where legacy media or new media has decided that's where Instagram, that's where the attention is. Yeah. People have left legacy media and they're kind of uh, traditional places where they'd get their mm-hmm. news, come to Instagram and the two have met once again, yeah. just in a, on, a, on a kind of different playing field sort of thing. And I think that probably contributes somewhat to the sort of the engagement. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting as well how different platforms have sort of expanded their offering based on what others are doing so like twitter as well they've got loads of different new features compared to say like this time it like a year ago 18 months ago um and then you can sort of spot the ones that are being left behind snapchat for example was like a a massive thing five years ago and now i never used it but i used to be on it every day yeah so yeah the tumblers of the world rest in peace (laughs) i think essentially then it's it's um it's all down to eyeballs yes um yeah Anyway, the that kind of concludes the news section. Um, when we when we get back, we'll be chatting to uh, founder and MD of Embryo, uh, Mr. Ross Green. Having seen a gap in the market in 2015, Ross Green took a risk and founded multi-channel agency Embryo. Growing from a team of two to over 40 in just five years, Embryo has grown from strength to strength. We're delighted to be joined in studio by our founder and our boss, Ross Green. Ross. Welcome to Nevermind the Keywords. Oh, thank you. Um, so, as Charlie mentioned, you know, in Manchester, um, you have Embryo, which is a fast-growing marketing agency, but you've not always been Manchester-based. So, if we could just rewind a little bit, um, it'd be great if you could tell us a little bit about your upbringing and where you grew up, especially as well, because I know it's particularly interesting. Yeah, of course. So, I was born and brought up in Zimbabwe, in Harare, which is the capital city. Um, and I moved over with, with my family. My parents moved me over when I was 14. So one of five siblings, got an older sister, an older brother, two younger sisters. Um, 
we all we'd never been to England before, and we all jumped in a plane and uh, moved to Bournemouth, where my dad's job um, kind of moved over to, really catered to. Um, it's where I spent like the, the rest of my schooling time. Um, I did GCSEs and um, and A levels there, um, and then moved to Manchester to go to uni. Uh, and I believe that you did sport and exercise science at uni. It was. It was part of the sports and exercise science department, but I, I got my uh, degree in coaching sports development. So, obviously, there's been a bit of a change there. You know, in marketing, that's not what you studied originally. So, how did that come about then, that, that change in marketing? How did you sort of find that that was something that you were interested in? Yeah, it was an interesting one. So, it was my final year at uni. I actually did a uh, business module um, and realised that the two and a half years beforehand were a waste of time. Obviously, loved going to uni and, and, and everything that comes along with the experience of it. Um, but I fell in love with the business side of it. So when I was graduating, um, I knew that I wanted a career in sales and marketing. So I Googled, funny where we're sitting now, Googled yeah. um, graduate sales jobs um, and up popped Pareto Law. Um, I went to an assessment day with Pareto Law along with a couple of other businesses um, because Pareto place, strategically place, graduates the right competencies into roles. Um, Pareto decided that they want me to work for them instead of um, being placed with their clients. Um, so I worked there for, for a year um, and then was kind of, headhunters not the right reason, not the right uh, word I suppose because I wasn't that experienced, but I was found by an agency in the Midlands um, called Creer, really fast paced, brilliant business. Um, I worked there for a couple of years, and then, long behold, I've decided to to, to have a, have a pop at setting up an agency myself. And this is why we're all here today. Yeah, uh, I just want to go back a bit. What was that? How much of, if any, was there a culture shock from growing up in Zimbabwe in the capital city to moving to the charming seaside town of Bournemouth? What was there? Was there any, if at all, kind of shock or well, adjustment was, period? Of course, it was an adjustment period. Yeah, but, you know. I think. Um, the toughest part was is our, our lives were there, yeah. And then within three months, we were told that our lives are no longer mm. there. So yeah, I mean, moving schools, um, or moving country, moving schools, mm. meeting new people, yeah. new culture. I think my brother and I landed at Heathrow and board shorts and a t-shirt, <laughs> uh, and it was pissing it down. <laughs> so we were cold. Immediately took us to somewhere to buy hoodies yeah. or whatever. But yeah, I mean, the weather was a culture shock. Meeting new people, yeah. etc., was tough. Um, yeah, I think that was. So you, you find yourself here now as a kind of business owner, entrepreneur. You're a very in-demand person, both in work and out. How do you? I don't know. How do you take the time for yourself? How do you manage Ross as well as you manage a company of forty plus people who are constantly demanding things from you? It is. It is tough. I, I have very little time to manage manage myself and manage my own my personal life. Um, but I make, made, I've made the choice to make my work life my life. Mm. Um, and that's what I want. Mm. And the people that I've got in my private life, they've accepted that. Mm. And I'm, I'll be forever grateful for yeah. accepting that. Um, but I also give all I can to the people that work with me at Embryo. So it's, 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 it's a fine balance. Um, we don't have enough time in the day to be doing all we want, mm -hmm. but I love what I do. Yeah. I'm I'm really, really, really happy. Yeah. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I suppose as you say, that's something 
that comes with being a business owner is you sort of make that decision to make work your life. So have you got any advice for anyone that is maybe new to owning a business in terms of like managing that balance and as well your mental health as well? Because I imagine that's something that you do really have to sort of nurture, especially when you are so in demand, it can become quite overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, I think any advice I can give to people setting up a business is what do you want from the business? Um, what's what's your plan? What are your goals with it? Um, do you want a lifestyle business or do you want to grow an empire or do you want something in between? They're all amazing. You can, you can have people, and I know I've got friends that have got very, very nice lifestyle businesses and they live great lives and they've got a lot more time for their friends and family and whatever they want to do in their day to day. But um, for me, it's working out what that is pretty quick because it took me a while to work out what I wanted. Um, I had a conversation with James, co-director, about three years ago, and I decided I want to go. And what I mean by that is I want to grow the best marketing agent, the best independent marketing agency this country's got to, um, that's the country's got to grace itself with. But that's a decision we had to make together, and we had both had to agree that this is what we both wanted, and we had to speak to the nearest and dearest and go, look, this is these are our plans. Um, but I suppose going back to, to advice, yeah, just working out what you want. Yeah. And then don't sit on the fence. Either go for it or don't. Because if you, if you, if you sit on the fence, you'll always be in limbo. And you, you won't, for your own peace of mind, you need to know what your direction is. And obviously I decided that my direction was growing mm. the biggest, the best agency about. Did you, did you find when you said that out loud for the first time, whenever that was, was it quite a, was it a relief in a way because it was a kind of a decision made, a sort of decision to yourself made? I was fucking buzzing. Yeah. Yeah. I was buzzing. I was like, I'm ready to go. And yeah. I had that conversation with James and I was like, and we both knew. Yeah. Um, but we, but we hadn't, went and said it out loud, I yeah. don't think. Yeah. We just needed to work out what, what the plan was. Um, but no, I was, I was, I was so, so excited. Yeah. I think, I, I think in everyday life, whether it's, you know, saying to yourself, you're going to join a gym or saying to yourself, you're going to, build the biggest agency in the country is that sort of saying it out loud to yourself is is you're sort telling that, yourself that declaration absolutely isn't it? yeah just yeah. pressing accelerate and actually getting on with it um, yeah. but i imagine obviously that came with its challenges as well obviously deciding yeah, yeah. to ramp it up and you know go for it um what what were those challenges like in in you know at that time when you decided right this is this is it now we're gonna we're gonna go for the big time yeah well i think um every every business uh, owners, entrepreneurs, walk of life, no matter what stage they are, they're challenges, they're different challenges at every step of the way. So when, when I first set up Embryo, the challenge was pay my rent. Am I, can I pay fuel to get to the next meeting? Or am I going to be able to, can I go to the pub with my mates and have a beer? Those are the challenges. Um, who's, what freelancer am I going to use to deliver this client's work that they've trusted me with? Do I tell the client that I'm using the freelancer or do I not? Um, are they going to deliver on time? Um, so those are the challenges then. Um, I think when it's taken to the next level, it's how, um, how quick, um, and who, who and how, and, and, and how am I going to find the right people to help me along that journey? Because I'll say to you guys over and over and over again, embryo is absolutely bollocks without you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's finding the right people to take on that journey mm. 
um, the right people that want to be on that journey too, uh, and giving it back. So for me, the, the the hardest challenge has been about finding the right people yeah. to to help me get the company to where it needs to be and it deserves to be. So I suppose in that sense, then you've you've gone through the kind of the who, what, when, where, and why of Embryo over the last four or five years, and it's now seen you kind of take up a position of leadership and, and of being a leader in business. And I was curious as what you think, what you view leadership as in 2022 in the current climate of a kind of very mobile workforce a workforce that is more sort of powerful might be the wrong word but uh you know after after two years of covid we've got a more independent and a more kind of fearless workforce how do you see leadership in 2022 with all that for me leadership is a two-way street i think you've got to be able to um invest in people um but the people need to give back um i i think it's there's a lot of trust especially in today's climate we've got to work out look people are working from home are they are they working from home are they doing the right thing um but i think but, but certainly leadership is about knowing knowing the people that are that, that are working for you knowing the people that work in your team trusting believing motivating them to get the best out of them every single day um and it's 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 about building relationships and them trusting you and trying to convince the the, the people like the, the, the talents in our team are unbelievable um and it's it, it takes its toll trying to convince people that i'm an embryo of the right people person and company yeah. to work for yeah but for me it's 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 a two-way street you touched there as well on building relationships and obviously that's massively important especially in marketing where you know collaboration is key especially across different campaigns do you think the way that we work together and build relationships now post pandemic sort of with the hybrid working and everything is different or how how, how have you found like navigating that really um coming out of the pandemic yeah i think um well from, from a client relationship perspective i used to go out and meet every client face to face um now it's all done we do all on hangouts so i don't think relationships with our clients are as strong as they were or as strong as they probably should be hence why i encourage to invite people to the office mm. the salespeople and client services managers to go out and, and meet the clients and within our clients experience team at uh, in the office we go above and beyond to, to welcome our clients on board um so yeah i think i think the pandemic has has helped us accelerate growth but i think relationships with our clients could be a lot stronger um, and that's something we'll continue to work on from a from a team perspective our culture is phenomenal we are very very lucky to to be working in the environment that we are um the business has worked very very hard on developing that over the last five years um but yeah it, it is more challenging yeah. because um we've got a we've got our meetings on on hangouts every day we're not in the office together every day um we're not um we're not in each other's company all the time to be able to build those more personal bonds um as opposed to um the to business relationships um but that has its good and bad because we are at work to deliver the best possible campaigns for our clients we're not here to piss about yeah so there is finding the balance mm. and i think embryo has find and will continue to find and, and strive to find a better balance moving forward yeah i think you once you forge those 
relationships within your workspace. I mean, me and Megan have experienced it firsthand, but I think once you forge those, those kind of relationships, you can almost kind of right put them in a box and then get on with the task the tasks at hand, knowing that you can always fall back on that. And I think being in the office and and those micro interactions that you mentioned are so important to sort of forging those relationships that allow you to then get on and, and deliver work. Um, just back to on back back to leadership for a second. How much is how much of is how much of it is in your view sort of proactive and reactive? What's the kind of split there in terms of you actively going out and enacting something as a leader and reacting to whatever it is that's coming towards you? I personally don't think there's a you can put a split on it. Yeah. I think it's a case by case situation. There'll be times where I'm in the office and everything is going swimmingly. I've always got to pinch myself to go mm. like, what's going on here? Mm. Um, whereby you then spend time and you can spend time on on building the culture and motivating people and and um, spending more time finding out what's going on in their personal lives if they're happy to talk about it. Um, but then there's other times where times are tough and you've we, we've got to drag people up by the scruff of the scruff of the neck and go, look, it's, it's all, all's fine. Yeah. Not we we got to work. Work's got work for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. We all got careers and that's what we want, but. And today we go to work, so it's it, it's it's hit or miss. I don't think there is a split yeah. for me. Um, I think I am very fortunate where our team is exceptionally strong, whereby I the business allows me to be more proactive than reactive. Um, but I have been in situations in the past where I've been a lot more reactive. But it's, as I said, it's case by case. Yeah, I suppose you want the you want the. You want to be proactive, don't you? You don't want necessarily to be constantly reacting and putting no, putting out fires. The, yeah. the, the dreams to be proactive yeah. and to and to get the best out of the the, the team, the business um, at all times. But no, no leader will be able to sit in front of you and say, "Oh yeah, their whole lives been yeah. proactive." And obviously, you said as well about it's it's sort of fifty fifty. Obviously, leaders need to invest in the people, but the people and the team need to give back as well. Um, and obviously, you know, we've got a fantastic culture at Embryo and I'm sure when you're hiring people, you're sort of precious about who you want to let into that business to A, enjoy it and also B, make sure that they do a, a good job as well. What what do you sort of look for in that hiring process? What do you think are the, the key traits that people in marketing need, but also specifically for Embryo as well? Well, I mean, uh, it talks about that I was one of five by a country mile i'm at the bottom of the pecking order internet intellectually than all of my siblings by a country mile but something i've learned in my um my career is i i want it and i've always in every job that i've done i've always woken up every day going we go to work nine till five you need to work your nuts off nine till five quite quite simple yeah we all we've, we've all got the exact same amount of time in the day as everybody else give it all give it your all so something that I look for when I'm speaking to people is I want people to give it their all. Now, look, I don't expect people to blood, sweat and tears from nine to five all day, every day. But so long as people are the people we're looking for are motivated to get the best out of their day to day role yeah. and want to progress their career. That's that's the first and most important thing for me. You're almost looking for selfish people in a way, aren't you? Because I think your business benefits when you've got the kind of people that are willing to be selfish because they know that they put in 100% for themselves, they're going to get 100% out of it going forward, whether that's with your company or whether it's with another company. You, know, you kind of want to grab those people 
and, and bring them into your culture, I imagine. Absolutely. Look, we, we're very fortunate where, or I am very fortunate where I've got the choice of, of, of who, who, who works for Embryo, um, along with along with a handful of other people that are making the decisions with me. But yeah, I mean, selfish is, yeah, it's probably the right word, mm. but um, no, it's, it's, it's about people that want to, to get up and make a difference. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. There are some people um, that, and, and businesses need people that just want to go to work, do their job and go home. And that's absolutely fine. And I love that. Businesses can't have entrepreneurs. You can't have 50 yeah. entrepreneurs in the business, yeah. otherwise it will fall over. So there are people that need to do their job and go home and do, and, and, and do that. But for me, those people need to come into work do a very good job and go home. Yeah. Not just come to work and just do a job and go home. Yeah. So it's about finding people that care. Yeah. Just people that care about what 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 they're delivering. How quickly do you spot that in people when you you meet them? It took me it took me a while at yeah. the beginning. Um but I I personally think I can spot them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um a handful of questions, understanding their personality a little bit, understanding what makes them tick. Yeah. I think I know pretty quick. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I've made mistakes in the past and I'm sure I'm gonna make a handful of mistakes moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've got it I think we've got it our process pretty pretty well as refined. Best as it can be. It's, it's, I suppose it's not really a case of perfect it's not a case of perfection, it's a case of just constant refinement, isn't it? Yeah. And and, and yeah. managing it from that perspective. For sure. Do you find that I mean, Embryo's been very fortunate over the pandemic, it's accelerated exceptionally well compared to a lot of other businesses. So I suppose for you and everybody else making those hiring decisions, the process was a lot different during the pandemic. It was all virtual. Do you find that that maybe sort of changed the way that you hired and the experience and, you know, you can't have people coming into the office to meet you and get a feel for the culture. So do you think that that was a challenge as well during the pandemic? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, as I said to you before, meeting people, um, understanding them, um, and kind of just getting a feel for the people. And as it's a two way street, yeah. um, is very, very important from a, from a, from an employee to employer or a client to, to, um, to business relationship. Um, yeah, it was challenging, very, very hard. Um, but it was challenging for all of us. We all went through the same thing. Every business in the UK went through the same thing. So I think credit to credit to everybody for, for adjusting very, very quickly because we quite simply had no choice, yeah. but, to, but to do that and to get on with it. Um, I suppose in a, in a in an industry like the one we operate in, momentum is very important and um, constantly looking at your North Star and working towards that. I would worry if I was a business owner about momentum quite a lot, both in myself and in the business and, and in the team. I'm wondering what having done and having, you know, had Embryo now for seven years, I'm sure you have felt stuck in the past what have you kind of refined a technique or a process where you can kind of shake yourself out of that because for me that would be one of the scariest things is feeling like you've stalled somewhat or the business has stalled somewhat i was just wondering if you had a kind of a thing in place whether it's the people or there's certain resources that you go to yeah so for me it's i just gonna look down at the team that um are propping embryo up Mm -hmm. and they the whole team are enough motivation for me to shake it off very, very quickly. Um, we've we've got a, a, an amazing group of people um, that work very, very hard on for Embryo and on their personal um, progression plans and their own personal vision and they heavily rely on me. 
So I quite simply don't have a choice yeah. to drop the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you will go through swings and roundabouts, but all I need to do is walk into the office one day and see mm -hmm. all those people giving it their all. I snap out of it really, really quick. That must be quite freeing then. Because you're not, you don't have a choice. And then, you know, conversely, you can kind of then just sort of take a breath because you know walking into that office or, or having the chat with that employee is like, is this is the snap that takes you out? Well, it's very very humbling. Yeah, the fact yeah. that it's very very humbling. The fact that I know that those people are there because of me, but also for me, um, yeah. and that's what I talked about the the two way street because mm -hmm. I know that ninety percent of the people who work with me mm -hmm. at Embryo are working with me and for me. That's quite interesting. That, really humbling. Yeah, it's a good word. How much humbling? How 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 much of a surprise has that been? for you growing a business that that kind of humility that you felt over the past few years has that been a surprise to you um i've always been a bit of a wet wipe as a person anyway so <laughs> pro probably not um probably not as much of a surprise as you'd think but um no it is it, it yeah. is and seeing how much people care yeah and see uh, people really give a shit is yeah. is is a thing and it, yeah. it, that, that gets me going that's, that's good. notice you put a lot on sort of people that the people that work for you and the role that they play with do, me yeah do you find it hard to take a step back sometimes and think do you know what like i'm proud of myself i've done really well here like do, do you find it hard to sort of take that step back and just have a minute where you you do feel proud of what you've achieved or do you feel like you're sort of taking your foot off the gas if you, you were to do that and you just want to keep pushing forward if that makes sense yeah i feel like i'm picking myself up by saying i don't do that but I, I genuinely don't do that. Yeah. Mm. I, I never, ever step back, take a look and go, yeah, we're doing it. Mm. Um, I, I don't know why. That, that's, that's, probably weakness. Yeah, no. that's probably a weakness of mine where I should maybe take a step back one day and go, oh, this, is, this thing's amazing. Yeah. But I don't think it's amazing yet. So maybe the day where I genuinely believe I've hit the mark where I want to hit, mm. maybe, maybe that'll happen. Yeah. Mm. Hopefully it will happen, yeah. but it hasn't happened yet. So I, I, I won't be content. How much of it is then, so that's interesting that there's a there's a day in the future where that may occur, but currently that's not in on your horizon. What about the what about the job? What about owning embryo and, and running a business in in 2022 is like looking at thinking, thinking of like thinking in the clouds, but also kind of the mucking in and the day to day. I find those two things that they sort of have to live alongside each other. I find that really, really interesting in and how you have to juggle the two of like the big blue sky thinking to to coin a horrible marketing phrase. There'll be plenty of them on the pod, I'm sure. Um, how you kind of manage that side of the business and also just like, well, I've got back to back meetings till 4.30 every day or mm -hmm. I've got to go and uh, meet with a client that's not particularly happy with something or, you know, though, that kind of the nitty gritty of it. I'm interested in that, how you manage that juxtaposition. Well, I listen to Jason Mraz and yours on repeat for okay. an hour every single every morning, single morning. <laughs> on the way to work. Click that. Greg will click that. that. That's the title of the show. <laughs> and I do my, uh, I do a lot of thinking in the morning. Um, and then I, I've got an hour drive home every day. Yeah. So I do a lot of thinking then. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a balancing act. Yeah. But you also do, surprisingly, I do a lot of thinking whilst on the job as well. Mm. So whilst I'm in a meeting or, or else I've, don't know, walking to get some lunch yeah. or whatever. My mind's ticking all the time. It's those little pockets of time. Little pockets it? of time. And sometimes you actually come up with your greatest idea. Not that I've got a great idea, no. but like your 
the the the, the solution to yeah, yeah, yeah. the problem that you might have had yeah. at, at the most weirdest yeah. time. So I go yeah. to the gym every morning at six a.m. Yeah, without fail. Yeah, um, and I, and that's a time where I just zone mm. out and I'm thinking about a load of, load of things. Yeah. Did you miss any of that? I don't want to dwell on COVID too much, but did you? Mi- I'm more interested in the kind of experience of it rather than the the thing itself. Did you miss those little pockets of time? Because I know I did. I know I missed the commute, whether it was an hour on the train or 20 minute walk or that like bit in between before and after and in between where you sort of took a breath, I suppose, mm-hmm. decompressed a little bit, yeah. had the time to yourself. Did you? Mi- I imagine you did, but like, you know, to what degree did you sort of miss those, that, that valuable time that you had? Yeah, well, I think COVID was just well, it was a couple of years of nothing as yeah. in from, from a time perspective. Um, I made a conscious effort to go out and walk a lot yeah. um, to, to try and get that time. But yeah, of course I missed it. Yeah. And, and even just the just the being around people yeah in the workplace was 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 tough for everybody wasn't it but um i think going through covid and and first of all managing the managing the rot at the beginning mm. essentially um and turning that around um fast forwarded very very quickly to exponential growth mm. um I, I didn't have time to miss it yeah and i didn't have I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I just didn't have time to miss it. Yeah, I think having lived it, like, through a screen with you, yeah, alongside, like, as it was happening, it did feel like a very quick turnaround of, oh, my God, what the hell are we doing? We're all working from laptops. What's Zoom? Yeah. To, we, we, it's funny how people just adapt, isn't it, to, yeah. to work, when they haven't got a choice. That's what I was going to say. I suppose you, you've got no choice. Yeah, you had no choice, and I think you, you quickly got over the fear of it because... The nine to five carried on. Yeah. Businesses to a large extent, those in those in certain industries did carry on. Um as I say, I don't want to dwell on it. Well, I keep saying I don't want to dwell on it, but we are. But I suppose now we're kind of we can maybe we can maybe close that chapter of, of life. How has it changed your kind of the how's it changed your view on the kind of bigger ideas around work itself, managing a team, how you view success now post pandemic, and I suppose the kind of surprises that the nice surprises that you've gotten from the last two years of, of quite a weird time to say the least. I've, I'm definitely a lot more trusting. Um, James said to me, um, must be about three years ago. One day we'll go to a hybrid working environment. I was like, no, we fucking won't (laughs) (laughs) like no chance. There's no chance whatsoever. We're going to be doing that. Um, but here we are today, yeah, and it's working really, really well. Um, not that I didn't trust the team, but I didn't. I just couldn't see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I was maybe I was a bit, a bit of tunnel vision where I didn't think that I was a thing. But it's definitely opened my eyes to to experimenting a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Does that mean a four day working week might be a possibility? You're no. very brave. No, no, that. I, that went through my mind and then immediately left. You're very, yeah. very brave. Well, if you could leave that four day working week at the door when you leave. Yeah, here. that's right. Yeah. We'll do the podcast really. on day five. Um, yeah. Learning as, a, learning as a business owner, I think, or learning as an adult in general, I think, is a very odd concept. Having, having learning to drive, which I'm currently doing, right? You're learning as an adult is quite a weird thing because you feel it's like about you, ta- it's about time, by the way. It's about time, yes. Yeah, so yeah. You can ask my better half about that. Um, it is a weird thing to sort of, you know, learn something new as someone in your kind of mid to late twenties or whatever. How do you, with all the other stuff that we've spoken about, kind of, a do you feel like a need to? I think I know the answer to that one. And b, 
how do you sort of continue to innovate yourself yourself alongside the business you've got to carry on um learning and self-developing all the time um we are very lucky where we work with a team of experts like exceptional experts yeah. in their individual niches um so i just leech off those guys yeah so i'll go and spend some time individually even if it's 15 20 minutes a day or every couple of days or a week whatever it is picking their brains mm. about something yeah which will always keep keep me keep me ticking over. Mm. I think it's really important that we are um, that all of us are, are, are skilled across multiple channels. Yeah. Um, it's difficult because there's a lot of us of us now, but we are we'll be very very stupid and naive not to use everybody else in the room. Yeah, because we've got experts everywhere. Yeah, um, that and I do and I do um, a handful of reading. Yeah, but but that's more kind of um, I'm a big fan of, of, of sales, as you know, yeah. um, and how sales became a thing yeah. mm. and how I can carry on um, refining my sales ability. Yeah, because I suppose it's quite a strange concept in a way because we all know about sales and we all know the tricks of it, yet we're all still influenced by it every day, yeah. whether it's a client being pitched to by Embryo, whether it's like, you know, you're going to the shop, it's that we but we can live in that state of knowing the both knowing both things mm. how do you when you are kind of innovating and, and and i find it interesting that you take those little moments with people who are experts and kind of in their field how do you cut through a lot of frankly chaff out there a, a lot of sales nonsense i think um i think a lot of it's through experience as well yeah. so we we've got a phenomenal product yeah and, and we've got unbelievable service yeah um, and when I go through a sales process with a client, I'll, I'll ask him at the end, have I missed anything? Mm -hmm. And either they say yes or no. Um, and then if we don't, if we don't bring the client on, we don't win the deal. I take it personally. Because mm -hmm. if I say to him, yeah. are you happy with what we've delivered? Mm -hmm. Yes. Was the deck up to, up to yeah. what, what you're expecting? Yeah. Was the price on point? Yeah yeah have i missed anything yeah. no must be me then yeah so if we don't win this deal now yeah you don't like me yeah mm. so it's either that or i'm reverse engineering it mm -hmm. so if we don't win a if we don't win a, a, a deal day to day or whatever it is yeah. i'll reverse engineer it and i'll find out what we've done wrong yeah well i'll do my best to find out what we've got wrong so a lot of my own personal development is working out how i can improve mm -hmm. um next time yeah that must be quite um it's quite a brave thing to do to constantly be kind of not constantly kind of looking at where you've gone wrong like how much of the how much of that process is quite personal and and, and yeah like i imagine it takes it out on you a little bit like that it's like constant pressure on yourself but i suppose in a way and to an extent it's almost necessary pressure to keep yourself moving forward and to keep improving no do you know, i flip it on its head i think it's really exciting yeah because it yeah. just means that if i fix it then i'm not gonna make that mistake yeah. again yeah so i look at it that way but like oh no it's it, it's not pressure it's mm -hmm. it's all right okay so this is this is where i've left the door slightly yeah. ajar yeah um but if i work out how to shut that door yeah i'm one step closer yeah so and I, I don't feel there's pressure at all. I feel, I, I look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. One of our, um, one of our kind of founding sort of buzzwords at Embryo is curiosity. And I'm wondering what, 
in as we're in sort of April of 2022, what are the things that you're most curious about in the coming in the coming months, be it marketing, be it in your own life, be it wherever the wherever business in general. Yeah. Just, what are the yeah. things that you're kind of curious about? Interesting. I would love to know where we will be in two years. Yeah. But I haven't got a fucking clue. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. Um, I am curious about that. Um, but I'm more curious to understand how we'll get there. What what obstacles we'll come across? Mm -hmm. What successes we'll have? Why we why we've been successful? Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the next three highs that we're going to bring on over the next three months. Yeah. Um, are they going to be the right culture fit? Yeah. Are they going to deliver? Um, yeah, I mean, how long have you got? Yeah, you're not, and it's not a, it's not a, it doesn't, that curiosity, does it come from a place of worry or does it come from a place of excitement? I'll be lying if it wasn't a mixture of the both. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not just some, some guy that's excited all the time. Yeah. In fact, as you know, I'm, I'm miserable most of the time. <laughs> but, um, no, it comes out of a place of, but it comes out of a place of care as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't, because with uh, with uncertainty, with uncertainty come becomes, uh, or comes, what's going to happen? Yeah. Which then a little bit of fear. Yeah. But that fear drives me on. Yeah. And the why and the why underneath it all, I think, is quite interesting that you picked up on that. Is that you're you're interested to see what happens in the next two years, business, globally, whatever, and then you're interested to understand the why. Underneath that, I find that quite interesting. I mean, there's going to be um, multiple social media channels that haven't yeah. that haven't been invented yet that aren't out. Yeah. That that probably in their in their yeah. beta stages as we speak. Yeah. How are they going to influence the world? Mm. We didn't know TikTok was a thing yeah. up yeah. until a couple of years ago. So it's just like who, we never know. We might yeah. bring that out. Yeah. James is forever innovating things that he is um, and creating things that um, are changing our market. We yeah. are changing our market with our own tool. Yeah. So what's exciting to um to understand is it might be us yeah i bloody hope it is <laughs> and how important do you think that innovation is at embryo and how that sort of contributes to our success as you mentioned we're always innovating bringing out new tools and influencing the way that the market operates and also the way that we deliver work the fact that we've got a chief innovation officer that is right at the top of his game is without a doubt, our greatest asset. If you did your market research and worked out how many independent agencies of a similar size to us mm. or bigger have got somebody of that skill and that ability yeah. at that level, spending 50% of his time on a day-to-day -day basis, forward thinking um, and developing new products to make us a better business, you wouldn't find any. So it is, it's massive. Mm. Um, innovation for us is huge. Without the tools that we've created, um, without the brains that we've got, embryo is not embryo. Yeah. Well, now I think it's time for our quick fire round, which is the uh, round that we end all our interviews on. Um, and it's 10 questions and we're after one or two word answers. Um, Megan, would you like to uh, do the quick fire round for yep. Ross? Yep. Our MD and founder and boss. Yes. So first question. Favourite chocolate bar? Double Decker. Yeah, good choice. Straight away, that. <laughs> we didn't breathe. Didn't even have to think. Love that. <laughs> uh, biggest inspiration? My dad. Best habit? Brushing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Worst habit? Very impatient. What would you change about yourself? Probably have thicker hair. Pointy <laughs> nose, maybe. <laughs> Describe your life so far in three words. Well, um... very 
very fortunate. I like it. What's something new happening in your life right now? I'm hoping Paul's closing a deal. <laughs> if you're listening, Paul. Yeah, yeah no pressure. If you're listening, I'm hoping you're closing as we speak. <laughs> what was your best subject at school? History. Hmm. What does success look like? Um, success for me looks like happiness in mine and all of it in all of Embryo's employees' lives. Nice. And finally, what is your favourite book? couple I've got it written down here. So the first one is um, Secrets of Closing the Sale by Zig Ziglar. Unbelievable book. And then Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. Ross Green. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. Glad to be on the first one. Thank you. Thank you, Ross, for taking the time out to chat to us today on our first episode of Nevermind the Keywords. That was interesting. It was. He is an interesting chap. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's really weird because obviously I've I've worked with Ross now for just over a year. I think yeah. you're, you're two years. Yeah. And there was things in the, in that conversation that yeah. I didn't know about Ross um, yeah. in terms of like his upbringing and things like that. So even from like a personal perspective, that was, that was really yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, aside from the fact that like we work with him and, and all that, caper it's still rare that you get any kind of proper sit down time yeah with exactly it isn't about work or yeah. us actually yeah yeah and that's a kind of testament to, to himself yeah definitely um but i think outside of you know our relationship with him i think he's got a very interesting story and has got a kind of very honest assessment of how he views himself as a kind of entrepreneur and like a business owner yeah um yeah i think it was good and also he listens to Jason Mraz an hour every morning. <laughs> an exclusive which, there. Which is an exclusive. And yeah. we will be taking it literally. Yes. So, yeah. And whether that was tongue-in-cheek or not, for me... That's office news That's now. fact now. Yeah. So that's just fact. Yeah. Well, um, we hope you uh, enjoyed listening and watching uh, the first episode of Nevermind the Keywords. We'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with a new guest and a new couple of hosts, which who you'll get to meet. Um, please leave us a five-star review on uh, wherever you get your pods and like and subscribe. And um, please remember to tell your friends and uh, we will see you in two weeks' time.